Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The truth is, though, is that Jesus doesn't enter into any of our lives as an interior designer. He comes in as a demolition man with an excavator, and he's going to rip that thing apart, tear it down to the foundation, and then he's going to dig into the foundation. He's going to rip that up as well because he wants to be the foundation, not you. And he knows what's best, not us. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. We are continuing in our study of Colossians, and, and I hope it's been as beneficial to you as it has been to me. It's been a really uh, a great blessing to me to be a part of this particular study. I've learned a lot, things that I, didn't, I did not know previously. I've understood this text better than I've ever understood before. And one of, the, <clears throat> one of the things that has stood out to me the most, that's especially going to be true today, is how Paul emphasizes the gospel just he has this huge emphasis on the gospel the first few chapters and then he turns a quarter and begins to apply it into our personal lives and and what we're left with is what exactly does that look like for that to get applied into our personal lives well i i i I imagine it like this with this kind of an illustration how many of you like to watch those uh home renovation shows that you can stream on whatever service that you stream them on. And it's often in these particular shows that you'll see a home on the outside that looks like a shack. And, and it, looks, it looks like it's something that's just kind of barely hanging together or has been uh, incredibly neglected, to say the least. And then after the renovation project, you see that the bones of, the, of this home are basically the same, but now there is wood and there is screening, they've screened in the porch and there's even maybe uh, brick where there wasn't brick or stone where there wasn't stone. They've painted the outside of the home and it looks beautiful. And then you get on the inside of the home and you have a, a, an old dated kitchen. It's got, still got old wallpaper. It's got the, that old kind of oak finished look to it, but it's really not oak. And then you got the old stove and it's just everything is old and then they jump in on that kind of a kitchen and they change it and now where there where there's wallpaper there's a backsplash where there was hardly any lighting they've got this cool recessed lighting and hanging lights and where there was just this really small area that everybody moved around in now there's an island that they've been able to somehow fit into it and it just looks amazing the renovation process that was able to, to take place. And often you'll find in these shows that it doesn't take a lot to renovate. Usually it's paint colors. Maybe it's, again, instead of a wallpaper, it's some paint. And, um, you know, instead of uh, just a regular old floor that, that really have a lot to it, now you've laid some interlocking vinyl or something along those lines. And this is what I believe many people uh, believe about Jesus when it comes to their life. They, they see Jesus as more of an interior designer. 
He's the guy that's coming into your life and he's just going to add a, a new paint color because what you got's a little dated. He, and so he's going to rip up the vinyl flooring and put down a, nice, a nicer, more modern, more resilient floor. He's going to uh, maybe, again, add that backsplash. He's going to change out the appliances. But for all intents and purposes, really all you've got is just a mild upgrade because that's what interior designers do. The truth is, though, is that Jesus doesn't enter into any of our lives as an interior designer. He comes in as a demolition man with an excavator, and he's going to rip that thing apart, tear it down to the foundation, and then he's going to dig into the foundation. He's going to rip that up as well because he wants to be the foundation, not you. And he knows what's best, not us. And that's what he's wanting to do for our lives, especially... Our marriages, our parenting, and even our workplaces, which is what we are going to be honed in on today. And Paul says a few words to us that just reminds us of how the old is gone and the new has come in other letters that he wrote. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. He says this in Romans chapter 6, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. In other words, there is something new that is getting rebuilt. And now as Paul taught, says these words to us in Colossians that we're going to get to in a moment, we have to recognize a few principles that are at play here. The first is this, is that he is not condoning the practices of this ancient society because he's going to talk about slavery. But he doesn't just outright jump in and say this is wrong. He doesn't do that. Instead, in, the, in light of this system that the government had of his day had put in place, he is saying here's how the gospel transforms that system. Here's how the gospel transforms that society. And he's going to talk about submission in the home and what exactly that ought to look like. That's not a very popular word nowadays. And what we got to recognize is that that was an ancient society in which men were known to behave in ways that is not acceptable. And it's not right. And so what exactly is he getting at? And what is he getting at with parenting even? How do we apply that to our lives? Well, again, that's what we're going to jump into. But we have to recognize he is not condoning the practices of this ancient society. And he is teaching us, though, how the gospel can transform the society. That is his priority. And so I'm going to give you a series of different dares because as you end up in a situation in which what Paul's going to write in Colossians doesn't align with our society, and it doesn't. It didn't align with the society in that first century. It doesn't align with our society in the 21st century. As he's going to rebuild our lives, there's some risk that is involved, much like somebody giving you a dare. I dare you to do this. So I'm going to give you four different dares that relate to our relationships in our marriage, relate to our relationships in our, with our kids, and in our workplaces. And the first is this, is we got to let God guide our marriages. That doesn't sound like something that we necessarily want to resist, but let's see why that's so significant. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. 
You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. He says, wives, submit yourselves. I mean, don't you just want to make me stop right there? Wives, submit yourselves. I don't, I don't write it. I just preach it to, to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, let's see what the next part is, and then we'll get back to that. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So let's start with husbands, first of all. Again, the husbands were known in this particular day to uh, berate their wives, to beat their wives. The wife had very little uh, value in this culture. There was some periodically, but it wasn't, it wasn't common. And they rarely were able to weigh in on anything of any consequence. And so what Paul is doing here, and the first thing that we have to recognize, is he's elevating the value of a woman in this society. He's elevating the woman. And he specifically in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 says, men, husbands, you got to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. Now, have you ever thought about how Christ loved the church? Well, I'll give you a few examples. He carries the burden of the church. And so if your wife has a burden, you need to carry that burden for her, or at the very least, carry it with her. If your wife hurts, then you need to hurt you, then you need to forgive her. If your wife is hurting, then you need to show her compassion. Because when we have hurt Jesus, he has forgiven us. When we are hurting, he shows us compassion. If your wife has a health issue, then you help, help her towards healing. You don't get frustrated. You don't get angry. You aren't meant to be harsh. Love your wives and don't be harsh to them. And then, in that previous verse, he said, and wives submit to your husbands. Again, not a very popular, as is fitting in the Lord, not a very popular phrase to say. But there's a few things that we got to understand about submission. Is submission is a choice. In other words, husbands, if you tell your wife that they need to submit to you, then you've already moved outside the bounds of what Paul is condoning here and saying that needs to happen. Submission is always a choice of the submittee. If there is no choice, then it is slavery, okay? Submission must align with revealed godly behavior. In other words, if your husband asks you to do something that is outside the bounds of what God has revealed, your ultimate submission as a believer in Jesus is to submit to God. And then we also have to understand that this submission is spiritual in nature. And that is really important. In Ephesians, he talks, Paul, so Paul talks about how there needs to be mutual submission in the home. When it comes to parenting, my, I submit to my wife, okay? She knows what's best when it comes to parenting. But matter of fact, I submit to my wife on a lot of things that she knows better than me on. 
Um, and I know that that's the case in some of your homes. I, and this in no way applies to the government, it applies to, it applies to a corporation, it applies to other uh, facets of our, of our country. This is talking about the spirituality of a home and of a church, that there needs to be a divine order that's in place in order for there to be peace as God is a God of peace. So submission is spiritual in nature. Now let me take it another step to be more practical so that you really understand where I'm going with this. If your husband asks you to pray, you should pray. That's submission. And that's really hard. And that's what Paul is getting at. There's disorder in this church in Colossae, as there is in nearly every local church. And often, there's disorder as it relates to gender and the roles that people have. And so what he's saying is, is that when your husband says, I think we need to pray about this, even though you don't feel like it, even though you don't want to, submit to that. That's a really good thing. If your husband brings scripture into a decision, don't dismiss it. Instead, listen to it. That's a really important thing. You should allow God's word to guide you. And when a husband is bringing that into the conversation, that's a very healthy thing. If your husband is saying, we need to go to church, then, then you should go to church. Get, get on that bandwagon. Be a part of that. Help make that happen for your family. If your husband says we should serve, we should join a Bible study, we should give financially to the church, those are all things that you should probably be doing and they're really good to do, spiritually speaking, in your home and in the church. This is what we're getting at here. Obviously, some of you wives are really good with the money, much better than some of us husbands. You need to be managing the money. That's not what he's saying. Paul is saying here is that husbands, as you lead your home, spiritually speaking, that there is a divine order that's been put in place that God blesses. And so where does that leave us? Well, husbands, we need to be better spiritual leaders of our family. We need to prioritize praying. We need to prioritize uh, reading the scriptures. We need to prioritize these things. Um, we need to make it a point to be at church. We need to lead the family spiritually and speak into those things. That's what the responsibility that God has given us. And wives, you need to appreciate the type of spiritual leadership that your husband gives your family. And by spiritual leadership, what, what I'm talking about is, is that not every husband leads the same way. And, and I'll, I'll at times hear the discussion around the, around the fact that a wife would want a very deep, heartfelt 40-minute conversation about a scripture or a devotional thought. And some husbands just aren't very good at that. But you know what they are good at? They're good at loving their wives, loving their kids, making sure they get into church. They, they serve. They support a Bible study. They do all of these different things, but they may not necessarily be the best at putting words to a really deep spiritual thought. So it's not all about just saying that you, ha you have to be a spiritual leader in every aspect, men. What I'm saying is, is like you got to go after something and be a leader in some capacity. And so wives, appreciate the spiritual leadership that your husband gives the family. But husbands, acknowledge you have to be a better spiritual leader for your family. You have to be somebody that lives by faith and not by fear. And you're humble and you're not proud. Things along those lines. I know this stuff isn't popular. 
But here's the rub is that we cannot allow the culture and the society to dictate what it is that we're supposed to believe. That doesn't ever go well. We need to allow the Bible to transform the culture and the society because when that really does happen, it does go well. The second dare that I have for you that, again, is risky is children, honor your parents. Children, honor your parents. This is what he says in Colossians. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Our, our culture would tell you this, though. Culture says parents obey your children rather than children obey your parents. Now, to be a bit fair to culture, I've had many a moment that looks like this in which I'm barely getting by, and I'm losing it because I got a child who's losing it, and I don't know exactly how to handle it, and they want something generally that I don't want to give them. Case in point, not long ago, I had a child of mine that wanted some bubble gum because I was not smart, and I pulled out a piece of bubble gum, and I started chewing it not too long before dinner, and so naturally, my child wanted a piece of gum as well. Well, I said, no, you, I can't give you a piece of gum. You, you haven't had dinner yet. Well, that led into a tantrum. And then that tantrum continued to escalate to crying, to screaming, to continuing to want the piece of bubble gum. Now, how many of you here actually think I gave my kid a piece of bubble gum? Gave him that whole piece? Yeah. All right, thank you that you have that much confidence in me. I didn't give them the whole piece. I only gave her a half a piece. <laughs> but... But it is difficult when it comes to uh, not allowing our children to be the leaders in our home. And so parents, we, we need to lead our kids. And I'm going to touch a little bit more of that in a moment. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. But children, you got to honor your parents. Honor your parents when they set you a curfew. Honor your parents when, when they don't want you to hang around certain friends. Honor, honor your parents. Obey them when they give you chores around the house. Children, obey your parents when they tell you to act properly. These things are so important, not just practically, not just so that way our homes function properly, but even spiritually, because a child learns their obedience to God by first learning their obedience to a parent. And I'll tell you, it's, it's few and far between the kid that is more obedient to God than they were to their parent. Generally, whatever level of obedience they have to the parent, God is a little below that bar. That's usually how it goes. 
The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6. He said, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live live long on the earth. And so there's a great promise that even comes along with honoring your parents. Again, Paul is talking about divine orders here. He's talked about the husband and the wives and it's not in any way, shape, or form meant for anybody to mistreated. The same thing is true with parents and with children. There's a divine order that allows for peace to take place in a home and there's a promise that it will go well with you if you do this. And this is important for many of you whose parents are still alive because that, this, this command doesn't stop when you turn 18. It doesn't stop when you turn 28 and it doesn't stop when you turn 38 or 48 or 58 or however old you are and your parents are still around. This never stops. And that's been hard for me because I, I, I had a fallen out with my mother around the time I got married and our relationship was never really the same, has never been the same since then. It's hard to do this. It's hard to honor your parent But to honor your parent means that you return their phone call within a day or two. To honor your parent means to take them out to lunch or breakfast every month or so. To honor your parent means to consider their advice and request instead of just blowing it off. (laughs) This is tough. And I have failed at every single one of these multiple times. We are called to honor our parents And even when that may not be all that popular, but that's what the gospel does, not just to society, it does to our homes. And here's the third dare I have for you. Parents, take control of your home. Again, it's not just society telling us to do what the children uh, tell us to do. We, as parents, often just do what our kids want us to do, and we need to take control of our homes, Colossians 3 says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fathers and mothers, that there's a point at which we push the child over the edge. We embitter them, we discourage them, and they begin to shut down on us. And so parents, there's a few ways that we embitter our children. Now, in this society, fathers were known to be particularly harsh. They were known to really weigh in heavily on the kids But parents, we gotta be careful that we don't embitter our children. And one way is by being overbearing. It's by continually telling them that their best is never good enough. And to be clear here, what I'm not telling you to do is to not set high standards for your kids. Because we live in a society that's trying to make it as easy as it possibly can be to become an adult. And we need people that are raising kids up with really high standards. And so you may look at a kid like we often do in our home, and they'll be crying because they struggle with their homework. Sometimes you just are gonna shed a few tears, okay? We got to encourage them to finish those assignments. We got to encourage them to get through the work. But there's a borderline in which we cross a line and we begin to embitter them. And what's interesting about the Apostle Paul, one biblical commentator put it this way. He feels like the Apostle Paul is writing this from his own personal experience. And he says, there is here a quivering note of personal emotion. And it seems as though the heart of the aged Paul was reverting to his past and recalling the loveless years of his own childhood. Nurtured in the austere atmosphere and traditional orthodoxy, he had experienced scant tenderness and much severity and had known the plague of a youthful, broken spirit. And so... 
Paul was pushed to the brink. And so as he's saying this, he probably experienced a father that often discouraged him and embittered him. And so when do you cross a line of being overbearing? Well, there's probably a few ways, but I'll tell you one. The moment you start to take it personal, you're gonna cross the line. You're gonna cross that line of being overbearing. I, I was just dealing with similar scenarios this, just yesterday. So to, to talk about pushing through. So we had a basketball game, I'm coaching this team, and, and this kid, he just started crying in the middle of the game. Just started crying. He traveled and then he starts crying. And, and this is a competitive league. And I didn't have any subs. So his dad's next to me. I said, is he crying? He said, he's crying. I'm like, ooh. He just said, he's just gonna have to push through. And I'm saying like, he's gotta push through. I, you know, you gotta work through that. You know, it was, he, we're all telling him, it's okay, it's fine, it's not a big deal. We weren't coming down hard on him, but there is a point at which you're just gonna have to work through some stuff. But yesterday also with one of my other kids, their finger starts bleeding. They're in a lot of pain because they keep chewing on their fingernails. And they've done, and I've, I've at least 20 times said, stop chewing your fingernails. So they chew the nail back past where it becomes very sensitive from where the nerves are. And then it starts bleeding. And so they're crying. And I'm, I'm like, are you serious? Why are you doing, and why did you do this? Why did I have to take it personally? That's what I'm getting at. That's when you cross that line. And then I have to make up for it and I have to apologize. And, and I, I rectify and I rein it back. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.